This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to iFanboy's Talksplode with Joshua Williamson. Hey, it's Josh from iFanboy, and I'm here today with another Josh. It's Joshua Williamson. <laughs> I just mean to ask him. I think I just call him Josh. I'm not sure, but I don't ever call myself Joshua, so it's weird. 
Anyway, I've known Josh for a long time, and uh, he's back on the show. I talked to him uh, about three and a half, four years ago uh, when he was uh, a little into The Flash, and, and now he's finished a five-year run on The Flash, and he's uh, headlining the Infinite Frontier uh, event over at DC, and he's wrapping up Birthright, and he's a lot of comic book work. Uh, we catch up. Uh, we talk about uh, career now. We talk about how things work, and uh, it's always fun. This is Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Joshua Williamson again. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's been, I looked just now, it's been like three or four years. It's been, let's see, the last one I put up uh, was in October of 2017. So oh about God. three and a half years. And, and honestly, it doesn't feel like it at all. No. Uh, you know, like, like, uh, like there's more children in your life than there was then mine are yeah. much older. And yeah. I think that when we were talking before, uh, it looks here, like I got, I noticed here, I have a cover for flash 24 up. Uh, oh, and my- I think we were kind of talking about like, Hey, you're doing this now. So at double shipping, that's a year in. Yeah, that was a year in. Well, I mean, technically, so I started working on it in November of 2015. Mm-hmm. So when 24 sure. came out. Is that's yeah about a year and a half in, but yeah, a year into the book by then, yeah. And and it, well, it's interesting because I know that I you know I have known you as the up and comer. I have known you as the newer guy at, at DC, and, and I think before you were you know you, you were doing the work at DC. You're you're sort of a yeoman of that stuff, and now you're the veteran of this stuff. Like, I know it's so weird. I I, it, I think it's very it's very strange. <laughs> does it feel like like how do you? How do, like if you have to say well how do I feel about comics and and a work in comics now compared to like four years ago do you think it's any different? Like my work? I don't know. I mean, like just sort of how you approach it. Like there's a time when you're young, and you're like I can't believe I'm working in comics. Then there's a time where like I can't believe I'm making a living in comics. And then there's like this is my life in comics. Like do you ever do you think yes. about it that way? Yeah, I think about this all the time. I have all kinds of weird I guess opinions on it. It's like I remember where I was ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, 10 years ago, you know, I was doing a little bit of stuff here and there. And I had, I had done a few like small books at image. Um, I was just trying to like hustle at stuff. And I finished Bendis's class at PSU. So I done like a couple of graphic novels. I had done a couple of like one shots. I had been like regularly working at DC doing like inventories and one shots and stuff. Yeah. And then, um, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because of how, how life can be so different. And, and, and to what you're saying of like my thoughts on all this stuff, how weird things are. Because I remember 10 years ago, um, I had gone to Emerald City Comic Con. And that was Emerald City Comic Con where they had started talking to people. More people, I should say. They started talking to more people about New 52, but it hadn't been announced yet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I think with New 52 some of the main books had already been like lined up, but a lot of the, I would say like half of it hadn't really been lined up by then. And so, uh, they started talking to people and I had talked to them, but like, I basically never got offered anything, but all my friends got offered books <laughs> to go to. And I was thinking about this today about how crazy it is. I was 10 years ago. Cause basically we're rounding out on the 10 year anniversary of new 52 this uh, August, insane. right? The last week of August. Um, which is weird because both Augusts are were five week months, both times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, yeah, it's so, so crazy. I was thinking about where I was in my career then and how frustrated I was. And like, 
you know, trying to just grasp at everything and, and, and in a lot of ways being very desperate, trying to grab stuff. And now here I am where I'm like basically mapping out like an 18 month plan with DC Comics. Like I basically pitched them like a, a, an 18 month, two year plan of, you know, like the fact that I was talking to them in like September, October, November about Infinite Frontier of 2020. And part of that was like, okay, here are things we can do leading all the way until the end of 2022. It's like, it's very strange to me to be like how different those things are. Obviously a lot can happen in 10 years, but yeah, it's definitely super weird of like my career in comics and then my time at DC because yeah, it's like rebirth, which is five years ago. And it's like, I was just coming in and, and I hadn't done, I hadn't worked DC in like three years so then I'm coming in doing Flash, and then five years later, now I'm doing like Infinite Frontier. It is I do think about a lot of like who I am as a person, how I handle things. I'm much more opinionated now than before. Is I that, think much. Do you think that comes from like the confidence of of being like, well, I I know what I'm doing. I know how these things work now. As before, you just, I mean, I, I assume there's an element of like, well, I can't screw this up. <laughs> the- yeah, I think I learned a lot in the five years, and then I also got really. Um, frustrated and I think I still get frustrated sometimes but some of it was like I, I think the last year I like found my anger I know that sounds really weird but it's like I think sometimes confidence can come from a place of like not anger but you just kind of like know what you want I guess it's like you know how you look at things and and some of that came from me being like no I don't want to do it that way you know uh, or no I guess like standing up for yourself I guess that's part of what I'm saying you know it's like and, and so a lot of that the last like year or two has kind of come in more uh, for me. But yeah, like five years ago, I was just like so happy to just be doing Flash. Like I, I was just so like, and then I was so happy doing Flash. And then I was, I've always been nosy when it comes to DC. <laughs> like I'm always, when I hear about something, like I, if somebody mentions something in a conversation about a project, I'm always like, what is that? That sounds cool. What is that? Mm-hmm. Like that's how I got Justice League versus Suicide Squad because I would have these meetings with them and they'd be like, oh, eventually you're going to have to do a tie-in to this thing. Because at one point there were going to be tie-ins to it. And I was just like, what is that? What is that? What is that? What is that? I would always ask. And then one day they were in a meeting and they were just like, well, you keep asking about it. It's yours. (laughs) I was like, oh, that's how that works? Great. Uh, So after that, I was always asking about stuff and just kind of being involved. And I, again, I'm like, I'm really opinionated about things. And it took me a while to become more and more like, I guess, yeah, confident in sharing my opinions about stuff. And then eventually, I guess I see the math of DC in a way. Like, it's really interesting talking with editorial, other creators. Um, this is part of why I work with Scott and James for so long, because we all see the math in very similar very similar ways. Like, with, with Scott Snyder and James Tynan, like, we all see the math very similar, and then we all see the math very different at the same time. And so, you for, can just, for, yeah. when you're When you're talking about the math, define that. Man, I'm not sure I would find it. It's like I, I mean, like like there's there's the economics of it. There's the timing. There's the yes, everything. Economics, timing, um, the structure of an event, the structure of a story, what we think works, what we like, what we want to do, but we know it doesn't always sell. What we know sells really well, but we might be apprehensive about. Like all of these things, like all of these pieces, you know, this big giant tapestry of it. Um, all of the moving pieces, we can kind of see them in a way. Uh, I've heard from some people at DC that, you know, they get the three of us in a room and they listen to us and they don't understand the language we're speaking. Like we just have our own little language of going back and forth. And it's like, um, and we'll argue with each other sometimes. Like sometimes we don't agree on certain things. And then 
we start talking it out and they're just like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> like, but then we'll come out of it and then either like what would happen was James and Scott and I would basically write up the documents about what we talked about. We would like go back and forth writing everything. James is much more verbose than uh, both of us are. So he'll do a lot of the typing and then me and Scott will go into a lot of the, <laughs> a lot of the editing. Um, but you know, Scott would do a whiteboard. He I was always talk really to you good. and Scott. And that is, that's, that's if he's more verbose, that's uh, that's pretty impressive, <laughs> James. Yeah, when it comes to, when it comes to like writing a document, right? Like it's interesting with, with we each see things in different ways, and we each have our own obsessions. Like Scott is very, what is the movie poster? Like how do I sell this if I'm making a movie poster? What is the big image that I can sell this on? Right? Like he's very much like that. Mm-hmm. Both of us are like that, but then it's like I get very obsessed with what is the last page of your story? What are these big moments? What are the things you're going to talk about? What, what actually happens is the thing that I get obsessed with. Mm-hmm. Like when someone pitches me stuff, I'm like, that all sounds great, but what actually happens in the story? Like mm-hmm. what are those big moments that I'm going to remember? That's the stuff that I always get obsessed with. And then James gets, uh, not obsessed, but he gets really in like the mythology of it. He's very much about character and balance, but he gets really interested in the mythology of it. And then when it's time to like present it, Scott is very like, here's my whiteboard, right? Like he can draw out a whiteboard. I get very obsessed with the calendar. Like how is this actually going to like work in terms of how it rolls out? And then James will write these like 20 page documents that (laughs) I will sometimes turn into five. (laughs) There was one time we had this document. Yeah, it was like, it was pretty long. It was like 10 pages. And I was like, yo, dude, I'm really sorry, but I'm literally cutting the first two pages of this document. Like we don't need any of this uh, to present to them. It's like the first line on page three is the information they need. Um, like it's good for us to know all that information, but when it comes to presenting editorial and then they present to marketing and sales, they don't need to know all this backstory stuff. We just start here. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, like the math of stuff and, and, and where I feel like I am in my career and kind of looking back at stuff and then kind of figuring out what were the, I guess how I've changed. I definitely changed as a writer over the years and I've become more critical in places. Flash was interesting because it was like, you know, you were saying flash was double ship and I never wanted to miss a beat on it, Mm -hmm. but that basically meant I had to turn a script in the flash every two weeks for like almost five years. And there were times where it was almost like being on a marathon and you're running this marathon. And as you're running it, you start to figure out, how you might run differently. You start to think about learning and how I would like apply some of these lessons, but you can't stop running to do it. Like you can't get off the treadmill or the marathon to like take a deep breath for a minute, take a step back and then jump back on having used what you've learned. You're in it. And so sometimes it was hard to like utilize things or change gears at times on, on that book. Well, my, my question I was thinking about it is that you, you know, you're working in the, I know that you, you came in with a plan, you know, to a certain extent, but you know, yeah. at what point does that diverge? And then how much does that get waylaid by the other stuff that's going on? Obviously, you know, things came in and out of flash that you had to deal with, uh, you oh. know, <laughs> I mean, I, I, and, and, and listen, I'm not going to make you go into, but you're like, well, I stand up for myself now more. I'm like, I can imagine that that would have happened sometimes on there, you know? Yeah. Do you like, is it always as stressful or is it eventually like same shit, different day? Like final, there's Dr. Manhattan. We'll move along. Uh, 
it was always very stressful. Yeah. It's always stressful. It's a stressful job sometimes because there are so many moving pieces and, and there's so many people you deal with and there's a lot of things that are unknowns and sometimes things sit between the cracks. Um, I never felt like same shit different day about it, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't get stressed out about stuff, but yeah, with Flash, I mean, I, I wanted that book to be a book that felt connected to the entire DCU, but that meant, especially when I'm just like, I'm just the writer of the Flash. Like, I'm not dictating what's happening in all the other books. And there are times where obviously there are certain events that were coming or going, or certain events were, you know, taking a bit to come out. Um, I had to pivot at times because of that. But at the same time, this is something I would say, and it's going to sound really um, odd, I guess. When things were quiet, like when there were moments where everything was running on time and everything was running the way it was supposed to, and it was just really quiet, that actually would freak me out. Sure. Like, I I actually kind of like the chaos of it a little bit. I like the um, the frantic nature of it. I mean, that's part of why I think I've worked on almost all their events since 2016. Like with metal and death metal, I was a consultant on both of those. Like I was, there was a contracted consultant for both the events and working on those and like no justice and a few other things and talking with, like I would talk to Tom about heroes in crisis, obviously at times. And, um, all that stuff. I, I liked kind of, the chaos that comes with trying to figure out all these different pieces, you know, it's like death metal had all these one shots. So did metal. And sometimes trying to make all those pieces work and then trying to make it work with the rest of the universe. Yeah. There were times I, I felt like I thrived in the chaos versus the days where it was really quiet. Like when everything was working, it was quiet. I would get like super anxious and be like, what's, what's, what is hiding? What is the problem that's on fire that I haven't seen yet? Right. That's how. Do you, I mean, do you think like because I, I know what you're talking about. I think that exists in 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 most work to a certain extent. It's like you don't really have time to find anything to worry about because you're solving your problem, and then you know the next thing is going to go. And yeah, there's like, well, what's hidden? You don't even know how to slow down. Which I mean, let's let's not let's not step over the parallels to the book that we're literally talking about. But um, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think that that fits in that fits in there. I I, I think. I'm wondering if so. If you're doing like a really long run on a book, you know, and you were there for five years, but effectively ten years, you know, in in comic book time, uh, you know, like, did you have an idea in your head like I want this to be a run like like Did you have, you know, you're thinking, well, geez, Peter David on Hulk or or you know Jeff Johns on Flash or like a like a sort of idea that you wanted to pattern your not not story wise, but just sort of the the impact of and and the sort of way that a a long run on a book like that works. Uh, in the very beginning, I mean, Peter David's interesting because, you know, he was on Hulk for so long and he, uh, it's funny, I, he was on Hulk for a really long time. He, for whatever reason, my memory, I imagine he was on other books like Aquaman for longer, but he actually wasn't on, on Aquaman as long as I remembered him being. Like, in my brain, that's a long run, but it isn't that long when you, when you think about, like, the Hulk run he did. Yeah. Um, I think that, and then you look at, I mean, the obvious two were, were Mark Wade on Flash and then Jeff on Flash and how they structured their stuff and how they did things. I did look at that stuff a lot, but it was also like, I knew it, you know, like I was a huge fan of both those runs. And so I knew how they did it. I knew how they teased things out and, and would roll some stuff out. And when I, well, when I first got the job, I really only wanted to write 12 issues. My original plan was just for 12. Um, like I went to them, I, I, I really like the structure of Hush. 
like I think Hush is is a great example of what a lot of comics can be, where it's like it's a self contained story. Here's this thing. It's also greatest hits. Like it has all the villains in it. He fights Superman, <laughs> right? It has like a new villain with Hush. There's a lot of really uh, big moments in those twelve issues, and I. I've always kind of pushed and talked to them about how I wish there was more of that, like just a greatest hits thing. And then it can sell forever. And don't get me wrong. It's Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee. So that's part of why it's going to sell forever. But the fact that Hush still sells, I, I think it's a good example of more of what we should be doing. And that was what I pitched them on. I was like, I just want to do a thing like Hush for the flash. It's 12 issues long. And here's my whole plan. And originally the speed force storm, storm stuff wasn't even going to happen until like issue five or six. And I knew when I pitched it and they really liked it, at first Dan was like, done, we're going to do a 12 issues, it's yours. Like, even if we have to do a 12 issue thing on the side, it's yours. It wasn't until Rebirth started coming together that I, were like, no, this is, it's double shipping, it's your book. Like, you're going to have this book for this amount of time. They moved things around, so what was originally issue six became issue one, and then it got extended, and, and we started talking it out. Once it started becoming more and more real, I had more and more ideas and more and more things I wanted to do. The first eight issues plus the rebirth issue were really structured, like talking with them about what we wanted that first arc to be. And once I got those first eight issues like locked in terms of my outline, I started thinking about nine and up a lot. And that's why if you when you read it, like the first eight issues are really about the Speed Force Storm. We kind of seed some things. But then issue nine is the one that is like has Wally in it, has Wallace, and then it has all these like teases for these things that are gonna happen in the book. Once I was there, I knew all the stuff I wanted to do. And so pretty much all 100 issues are kind of teased in that issue, in issue 9. And that's why. Like, by the time I was writing 9, I was like, I know what I want to do. I know how I want to do it. And I know what the ending is going to be. Like, I knew that Godspeed was going to get killed by Reverse Flash. I knew that it would come down to Reverse Flash and Barry. I knew we were going to introduce all these characters. But I had to... But then I did have to pivot. Like, obviously, there were things that kind of came at me as curveballs at times. And there were things that they wanted to do, like when they wanted to do the new forces and stuff like that, I had to kind of pivot around to include that. And, um, yeah, it was a wild thing. But I think when I wrote issue nine, I knew the big pieces. I knew about Flash Year One. I knew about the Turtle. I knew about Paradox. I knew all the stuff with the Reverse Flash and bringing the families back. And then it was about fighting to get the family back and like constantly bugging them to let me have Bart and then let me have Max and then Jesse and in the book. And it was like these constant little, um, even though I had a plan in my head, I was constantly negotiating like what I wanted to do because things are always moving around. I mean, I'm really thankful the sales maintained because the sales always sold above what they expected. That's what made me stay on. And actually in the end, you know, it was my idea to leave when I did, and um, we talked about it a lot. And there was even a moment after I decided to leave where they were like, are you sure you want to leave? Like, do you want to come back? And I was like, yeah, yeah, this is it. This is the moment. This is the time to go. And, and these are my reasons for it. And it definitely was the time to go. But what I would like, would, so once I was able to put that away and all I was working on was wrapping up some stuff for Justice League with Death Metal working on Death Metal, it allowed me to take a step back and look at you know, all the stuff I wanted to do with DC and also some creator own stuff and start figuring things out of like being a different writer than I was on flash and, and figuring out some different stuff of, cause my creator own stuff is so different from flash, like trying to find ways of bringing some of that into the books I was going to do after. So like with Robin and 
I'm, at, I'm, I'm writing five books for DC right now, and they're all very different. They're not all announced yet. Only three of them are announced. Um, and they're all so different from each other. And I was able to figure some of those pieces out just because of that time on The Flash. Like, it was an interesting, like, experience. Like, I learned so much from doing it. And now I'm glad that I'm... That's part of why I was glad to put the end cap on it. Because then I can actually start... I can take a breath for a minute and then start utilizing all the stuff I learned. Do you think... When you sort of, like, picture your career or who it is you want to be or how you want to be perceived, do you tend to think it's better to do a lot of different types of things or is that more of a creative impulse or do you think like i want to have like a, a voice that if somebody sort of reads what is mine they'll be like oh that's that's a that's a josh williamson book yeah i'd rather have the voice i think that's really? more yeah i'd rather have the voice so we could be pinpointed i think the creator i look at a lot is probably brubaker um i think his career is one I, I was just talking to somebody about it yesterday that I look up to a lot is, is probably Brubaker. Um, and he has such a distinctive voice. Sometimes he didn't though. I mean, you know, it, it's funny to go back. I read, I've been rereading a lot of stuff from Marvel, particularly over the last like 20 years. And it's interesting to see where he would change at times and be a different writer. Like his X-Men was different from his Captain America. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think Brubaker is one in terms of that of like having a distinctive voice that I kind of look up to, and is, I mean, and some is of it the now, voice or is it the way that he has the voice about him that you admire, or is it both? I mean, it's both. Okay, I, I think his the way he's handled his career, and uh, it's just something I I, I don't want to say look up to, but I guess look up to feels fair. I mean, look at Bendis, and and there's a few other creators I've I've look at, and I look at the work they do, and. And obviously Bendis is one that, I mean, I was, I was a student, you know, so it's like, he's something obviously I look up to and yeah, I don't know. I think it's better to have a voice than it's just to do a variety of projects. Like the stuff I'm doing at DC, it's kind of a fluke that I'm doing so many at the same time. It wasn't really, it wasn't built that way. Um, and I think they all have like little things in common with each other, but they're different. Cause like if a frontier is written much more as like, a quiet event, right? Like it's a big major story in the DCU, but it's told from a very grounded point of view. Cause like the, the zero issue was one thing, but the actual mini series is going to be a little bit more, uh, grounded. And let, you know, diff- let, let me ask you, yeah. tell, I've lost track of a lot of the moving pieces <laughs> of DC to a certain extent. <laughs> yeah, so tell ahead. me what the basic, like what's the basic pitch for in- infinite horizon. And I wanted to say frontier, but I know that's not right. There's been a lot of them. No, it's Infinite Frontier. Infinite Frontier. Oh, it is. It? Jesus. Yeah, I, kn- no, I knew I was, you know, actually, earlier before I got on, I was like, I'm going to just have to warn him that I'm going to get those things mixed up. It's okay. po- no, because, no, but you know, like there's, there's a lot of infinites, there's frontiers, there's horizons, there's, there's all, and I, and I was like, I'm totally going to say the wrong thing. And I just did. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so Infinite Frontier is basically the idea that after death metal, uh, all of time and reality has finally been reset for the first time since New 52. And everyone, either remembers or is gradually going to remember what happened. And so now all the history, all those books, all those things you love are available. And now it's just about telling like the best stories moving forward. Like everything mattered, everything happened. Now it's just, there's a line in the sand and let's just start telling cool stuff. And you can kind of pick what you want to do to move forward and tell the best stories. It's all very connected still. Mm-hmm. It's still very connected, but now it's about moving this stuff forward. Um, yeah. And so everyone is starting these new chapters. So in the infinite frontier zero, it's really about all these characters kind of saying, okay, cool, this stuff happened to us. This is who we are now. 
now I'm starting a new chapter of my life. That's what each one of those chapters was about in the book. But then at the ending, there's that reveal of dark side. And his thing is like, he basically is like, that's great that all of you are starting new chapters. But every time you start a new chapter, that's the, it brings you closer to the end of the book. And that's me. Like I'm always the end of this book. It was always going to end with me and I'm here. Like it's time to end this. And that's sort of part of his whole thing. Um, and then the book itself is going to be kind of about all these mysteries you set up in the DCU. It's tough. I don't much I want to give away, but it's basically yeah. just characters. You're basically getting to see points of view of this current DC universe from different points of view, right? So you get, you get Roy Harper who came back from the dead. So it's his point of view on the new DCU. It's president Superman and his point of view. Um, it's Alan Scott and his kids obsidian and Jade. It's Barry Allen. Um, it's Chase, like Cameron chases in it, and so her point of view on the DCU. Uh, and there's a couple other characters, but we're basically telling a story about what the DCU is like now with all these characters and what it's like living in the DCU after all these events. Like, all these events have happened. It's been kind of nonstop, but we kind of slow down for a minute and let the characters kind of reflect on those events and kind of see what's actually happening. And they've all kind of gone through this, like, traumatic thing. And so they're kind of dealing with that and having a much more grounded point of view of what it's like to live in the DCU post crisis. Mm-hmm. Really? Like they just went through another crisis and now it's like, okay, we have to like deal with this now. And, uh, it's really interesting. It's like a very different kind of book. It's not as big. It's not as big as like death metal was right. Like death metal is big explosions, you know, demons on motorcycles, this whole thing. And, and we wanted to kind of slow it down and not make it like that. We wanted to tell a more grounded story, uh, involving these characters. There's a scene where um, director Bones tries to, he basically gets the, the DEO back and he tries to get Cameron Chase to come work for him again. And um, they're at a restaurant. They're just like sitting in a restaurant and they're talking about it. And he kind of says to her, he's like, you know, do you remember when life was less weird? And she's like, you have a skull for a head. <laughs> like, and nobody in this restaurant's freaking out. Like, have you noticed that yet? Like, nobody in this restaurant is staring at you nobody's freaking out about it because this has become their lives now it's so commonplace like with superheroes and events and crises all these things are happening there's literally a man in this restaurant with a skull forehead nobody's even blinking at you and and he kind of is like yeah i don't think that's a good thing like i think he says there he's like a, a being from another reality came here and messed with our time and space and almost destroyed the world and she's like yeah which one like, which time? And he's like, that's what I'm saying to you. Like, that can't happen again. Like, we have to start taking steps. And he's like, I don't, like, he makes a comment about the multiverse. And she's like, well, the multiverse is mainstream. And he's like, I don't like that. I don't want the world to know that a multiverse is real. Like, the people on the street don't need to know about this stuff. Like, nobody should know about these things. And we got to find ways of putting some of these genies back in the bottle. And that's sort of what it's about, is about them kind of dealing with that. The idea of all of these things kind of pop big events and what life is actually like for these heroes and what life is like for people on the street and their perspective on some of these things like do they believe in a multiverse you know it's you know, believe- when you talk about it that way from that perspective it's difficult for me not to see a metaphor <laughs> to our larger world right now like, well, it well, sounds, well, i mean like i, I know, i'm not saying obviously there's a thoughtfulness to it but it's very direct in that way and i think that if you're reading the book and sort of thinking that way that's going to add something to it that might not be yeah i mean it's definitely in my mind yeah that, that i do that's uh, definitely in my mind like, like obviously this is crazy this shouldn't be this yeah. crazy 
yeah, it should not be this crazy. And that's sort of what part of it is. I mean, there's all the other things that happen in it that, that kind of make it an event, you know. And, and there's much more like, because like President Superman is in it and he's investigating a, a conspiracy in the multiverse and, and Barry uh, is investigating what happened to the quintessence because they died at the end of Infinite Frontier, like the Spectre and Phantom Stranger and all those characters, they all died. And so he's investigating what happened at the same time. And on Earth, you have all these characters kind of dealing with the fact that, like, reality was rewritten. Like, Jade is like, I lost, like, it's kind of like in the Marvel movies, like, the blip. You know, it's like Jade kind of had part of, she was erased from reality for almost 10 years. And now she's back and she's like, wait, what happened? Like, you know what? I, my... I I actually, like, I have a hard time keeping track, but I was, I was going through number zero. I saw her and I was like... Wait, has she been gone for a long time? I just, I, it was one of those like, wait, who is that? I, I remember this character. And then I realized it had just been, you know, I guess you're right. She was gone for a long time and I kind of forgot. Since uh, in the main DCU, yeah, she's been gone since Flashpoint. So that is something that they're dealing with, you know, and their lives are different and what people remember and what they don't remember. And, and you know, Roy has survivor's guilt because he, is alive and doesn't understand why he's the one that got brought back. Like, you know, there are other people that have passed away that didn't get to get come back. And, and here he is. And he's just Roy. <laughs> and he goes on kind of this like hard traveling heroes adventure by himself uh, to figure things out. But then of course gets involved in the bigger conspiracy that's going on. And there's action and explosions. I promise <laughs> there's all kinds of cool stuff that happens in it. But it's a very different kind of book. Like, I think it's... But that goes to what I'm saying is I'm trying to do things that were different than what I would normally do. When I finished Flash, the week that Flash came out, it was such a weird feeling because that was such a big part of my life for, you know, almost five years. Yeah. That the week it came out, I was in, like, a bad mood all week. And I'm sure it was, it was a Flash ending. I, I lied to myself at the time that it wasn't, but I'm sure it was. And I got on the phone with Marie... And she wasn't um, editor-in-chief yet. She was still just, like, the interim editor. And we started talking, and, and I was explaining my thoughts on a lot of different things. And, and uh, you know, she was like, where are you about with stuff? Like, what's been greenlit? And I was like, okay, here are the projects that have been greenlit. These are things I'm talking about. But I was like, I just want to do more. And, and, I, and she was like, I really think you need to do things that are unexpected. Like, there are obvious books that they, you could do. But do you really want to do that? Do you want to just do a book that feels like just the next it feels like the next step on flash but just because it's the obvious one not because it's one that you know you would be excited by or obsessed with because if i'm obsessed with a project that's the key if i don't get obsessed Mm -hmm. with it it's not gonna work so she was like you got to figure some different stuff out and so i was like all right we'll start talking about some different ideas for different projects and i ended up getting two books two books is that right one two i feel like i'm missing something yeah two books came out of that that conversation and then we started talking about bigger plans and bigger ideas and that's what led to a lot of infinite frontier stuff and that's what led to me basically pitching them on you know here's my big crazy idea for the next 18 months like that's what i was able to do it all came from those conversations and it's all things that i i don't think will be expected and then also it's different i'm doing them differently than the flash they're not going to read like the flash did uh, I think we'll have still some of the stuff that Flash had in terms of you can tell I love these characters. And I like I like working in a certain pacing with them. But like for example, with Flash, this is a really minor thing. I was talking to another writer about this this week. Um, 
the Flash has a ton of captions in it because it's the Flash. I, I remember asking Mark Wade about this when I first got the job, and he was like, yeah, because he's running all the time, and he's by himself. You've got to have captions in a Flash book. And so I had all these captions. After I was done, I was like, I'm going to take a break from captions for a while. <laughs> so it's like little things like that that to me feel different. Like it's a different kind of challenge because I would use so much captions that now I'm not. Um, yeah, no, man, it's a weird time. It's really, I'm excited about all this stuff, but it's definitely different. And I feel like the job has changed. I mean, the, in a way, you know, you were doing a regular book and there was other things around it, but you know, you're, you're focused on sort of one thing and now it's, it's like yeah. building the, the next, it's like, it's like moving, you know, <laughs> like you've, yeah, it was weird. Cause it was, I was thinking about this about uh, some of the struggles I've had lately with keeping a schedule is that like with flash, like I said before, it was like, no matter what I knew every two weeks, I had to turn an issue of flash in like, no matter what, it was like always two weeks. I got to turn the flash in and it kept me on like a linear path with that one character, right? Like I sit down, I know that character, I know his head, I know his story. You, you go, I can do this. Whereas in now, because I'm writing so many books, each week I have to switch gears to another book, another character, another head, and so it's made it harder at times. It's like you're going from a monogamous relationship to like, yeah. <laughs> well, then also I got more involved. All like I was saying, more involved with like the big picture of DC because it was like. You know, over the last couple of years, I've been gathering more, just like talking with them and, and, and knowing a bit more about the way things work. And, and I can be, like I said before, I can be very opinionated. So I'm always like telling them all this stuff that I'm thinking about doing. And, and, and when they pitch me ideas, giving them like my honest opinion on it. And it got to a point where like, you know, some of the editors would come to me and pitch me other people's books just to kind of get my, my you know, feel of it or my gauge on what I thought they were doing with that character. And... Now it's like talking to them about the events and bigger plans. It's a very different headspace than just being like, I can just write flash mm -hmm. and that's all I'm worrying about. And I'm not worrying about these other things, these other moving pieces. I'm just doing this one thing, but now I'm definitely, it is, it's a very different and it's a lot more work <laughs> at times. It's a lot. Um, but I love it though. Like I honestly love a lot of the stuff that's going on with them and, and, watching editorial kind of get to stretch their own wings a bit and, and taking on projects that they love and being able to push some things differently. You know, like I definitely think a lot of these books are going to be really fun and they're going to be different than what was there before. It's just, is not going to have the same kind of like, you know, when new 52, it was like, here's 52 books and they all come out in the same month. And then here's uh, rebirth. And it was all within three months. Cause it was like June, July, August. Right, like here are all the books. With this one, there really isn't a thing of like they all have to come out in March. It's like just make the book, make it good, put it out when you need to put it out. Like let this artist have the time that they can do the whole thing themselves, and not have a filler two issues in or something. It's like trying to um, let these books come out more naturally and find the right people and 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 let it be fun. Uh, and not trying to like kill ourselves over the schedule, which we still do. And we're all hustling and, and losing our minds sometimes, but trying to make sure these things come out on time. But it's a different, it's a different kind of thing than before. And I, I really like watching it kind of unroll like that. It's funny. I, I can feel sometimes um, I'll get asked a lot of questions online where people want to know everything that's going on. They want to know it all right now. <laughs> And I'm always like, well, I gotta be patient with some of this, but I also don't want to like blow up somebody else's uh, surprise or talk about something way too early before it's ready to go. Um, 
That's not how yeah. the story should work anyway. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's a story. Um, it's, that's a whole other weird thing. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, you know, well, it's, I'm going to, I don't know how to phrase the question, so I'm going to go through my thought process and then you can comment on it. Um, so I don't tend to plan these very much, but as I come closer to it with the, with the, you know, the week or the day before, I start to think, well, what kind of things do I want to talk about? And what occurs to me, and we talked about this, you know, there's this continuum of like, you know, I've known you since you were breaking in and now you're a different kind of person. So I, I tend to think, and I mean, I mean, you're at a different part of your career. Uh, you know, I think if I'm you, you're, you're probably thinking like, well, what's the next stage? What's the next thing I do? And, and I, I had the thought, I was like, I could see you as being one of those guys who becomes, you know, like an editor-in-chief type of person. You know, the creative person who goes in, you know, the, the Paul Levitz role or something like that. And it's really interesting because some of the things you're talking about, you know, align with that. Like, So what, what is it? Do you, what do you think? Like what? I don't mean like right now, but like going forward, like what do you, how do you envision? Like how do you, where do you take a career from here? You're, you're, you know, you're doing this big event. You've done these books for a while. You're not that old. Like where, where do we move along in, in a career as sort of as you hit the middle age of comics? Like yeah, I know I'm thinking uh, about it. It's a big question. No, I, I think about this all the time and I've talked to them about it and I've talked to friends uh, and we've gotten these like long conversations about it. Um, it's tough. Uh, I really want to do a few more things at DC. Uh, I'm not one of these people that is like, I have to write everything, like every character. There's a lot of characters I do want to write, but I, I, have a, I have a set set of goals and, and kind of things I want to do. I have a humongous list of creator art I want to do. Um, you know, when we were talking about creators earlier, I look at Kirkman and what he's built with Skybound, and it's like... And I, because I work with Skybound a lot, so I get kind of a different, like, insider view of that company and how great it is. Um, and the people that work there that I'm, I'm friends with and I've spent time with, and it's like, I like a lot of what they do there. And I, I get sometimes, like, that is something I would want to do, um, running something of that level right. and, and doing something like that. It's a lot of work, too, but it's like, there's something really energetic about being in that building. I mean, same with DC, being in the building. But um, What's it like being in buildings? I don't remember well, we, anymore. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so weird. I, I, it's such a strange thing. I, I miss our writers' rooms. I miss summits. I miss, you know, getting in a room with a whiteboard and actually working some of this stuff out. Um, but, you know, it's funny you said that stuff. I mean, that is where I eventually see myself heading. Like, I can tell what I like. I can tell that I like kind of the more, uh, not to say managerial, I like that part. And, you know, I like the real part. Yeah, I like the the pieces. I like looking at it all from a, you know, a higher point of view, looking down, moving pieces. I know that's where it'll head eventually. Um, when that's going to be, I don't know. I, I've I've talked to a lot of people about this this particular topic, and it's clearly where I'm going to eventually go. Um, and I think anybody that knows me, like you can just tell while we're talking. But you know, all my my friends when we talk, they can tell that's kind of where it will eventually go. Where that's going to land, I don't know. But the the challenge there is the create your own part. Like at some point, I have to leave DC to focus on create your own. I have to like. You can tell Scott is obviously reprioritizing Crayeron, and he still has projects at DC, but it's like he clearly has a lot of Crayeron stuff he's doing, and you can see how much priority James has on it, even though he's like burning the candle on both ends. 
uh, with Crayer on in DC, I've mostly been focused on DC stuff a lot. And part of why I went to DC back in 2015 was all the creator owned books that I was slowly developing. Um, I could tell pitching them to image that they weren't as excited about them as they say, like nail biter. Right. And then to skybound one of the editors there I'm friends with and we can have candid conversations with, I pitched him these books and he was just like, how is this better than birthright? How is this better than nail biter or ghosted? And you know, how are you leveling up on these projects? And I would look at him and I'd be like, Oh yeah, he's right. You know, these things aren't, aren't better. And I started to feel burnt out on creator own. And so I was like, I started, you know, that's when I started talking to DC again and got the flash. And I remember I signed the exclusive for DC in 2016. So five years ago, I was like, part of this is because I need to spend some time away from creator own to figure it out and figure out what I want to do and the kind of projects I want to do. And then within six months, I had a ton of new creator-owned ideas. Mm -hmm. And since then, I basically have built this huge list of creator-owned ideas. I've talked to a lot of artists, and I've talked to people, and I've built kind of this idea of what I want to do. And I've been able to kind of, like, take my time on it and think about some of these really big projects I want to do. And, like, Birthright's ending soon. I was Yeah, I mean, that was the next. I wanted to make sure we got that in is, is yeah, you know, it, I think you get three, right? You 50. Well, well, I have one left or right. But right. kind of, uh, but so basically, I have all this, this huge. Like in my office, I have this whiteboard that is just for projects and where projects stand. Right, it has a calendar on it, the whole thing. And the creator own section is ginormous. It's it takes up the majority of the whiteboard at this point. And uh, it's like I have all these things I want to do. And when I talk to Scott, particularly because like James and I talk, he's balancing both, right? But with Scott, like the fact that he's working on so many creator own books. And how happy he is. I, t- I tell him, I'm jealous. I tell him straight out. I'm like, oh my God, dude. Like that's The stuff he's talking about is so cool. And and the stuff I'm putting together, I'm really excited about. And some different, just different ideas and different books. And some things are moving along different than others. Um, the pandemic actually changed all my creator own plans. Because I had stuff I wanted to do this year. In tw- well, in the 2020 and in 2022. And because of the pandemic and because of all the stuff that was going on with the publishers, all of it basically got pushed back like, who knows when, like all the got right. the button. And so I feel like I have to do that. Like I have to do that creator own stuff. I have to do those books. I have to figure those things out. And some of them are, are just different ideas and formats and things like that. Like I got to do them. And then once I do that and however long that's going to take, then I could see myself saying, all right, it's time to basically go corporate. Like, to sell out <laughs> you know but like i feel like it's time to make that decision i mean you look at someone like mark wade who's done that where it's like you know he was working at boom for a bit I think the title i think he was editor-in-chief of boom yeah, for a bit right and now eventually, he's yeah like he was a bunch of things but he was definitely editor-in-chief for a little while yeah and now he's publisher for humanoids um and it's like i definitely see myself eventually taking that kind of path it's just a matter of when it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when and, and, you know, who knows what comics are going to look like. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that. No, but I, mean, I look at this stuff, too. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very looking at how comics has changed this last year, particularly, and, and the direction things are going and, and trying to figure out some of this math and, and trying to figure out, you know, which way the wind is going to blow. And, and, yeah, trying to figure out some of this stuff. And it's really interesting. I don't know. It's 
it's fascinating to see how things are changing in our industry. And I think a lot of it's for the better. Like it, it's really cool. I don't know, there's a lot of cool stuff coming. I, I feel like, but with birthright. Yeah. So birthright, uh, I had to write issue 50, but it's, I, I essentially have had that issue in my head since the beginning. And so I have the notebook, I have the page breaks already done. It's a matter of me sitting down and finishing it. I have to finish it next week. Um, so it's going to be kind of weird. Do you have a, do you have, do you have a hard time with, with final issues in general, or is this sort of different or special? Uh, this one's definitely special. I, I don't um, even mean a hard time. Like, is it hard? But there's a, an emotional component to it that's like, oh, you know. Well, with Flash, I didn't have a hard time writing the last two issues of Flash, or writing that arc, or writing Speed Metal. All that I did not have a hard time writing it. I only got like, I only got um, like I said before, frustrated or whatever I was going through that week it came out. I didn't have a problem writing it. Writing it, I knew what I do. Well, part of the dude, you're under the gun because artists got to draw. Yeah, and so. You know, you're just like, I can't sit on this thing for a week or two. I got to I gotta do it. And so, uh, particularly with like the Flash stuff, because Eddie Burrows needed... I, I finished Speed Metal. The It came out the same week, but that was like kind of the epilogue ending. I finished Speed Metal, um, I don't know, man, like maybe two months before I finished the last two issues of my actual Flash run. Uh, but I had to write those, but I had to write those early because they were going to be drawn by Howard. So it was like... It was a weird thing of like these things just have to get done. I don't have time to think about the milestone of ending it, you know. Uh, with birthright, I've had a lot more time to think about birthright, and I don't, I don't know how I'm going to feel writing it because I know, I know the ending so well. Like, I know how the whole last sequence of it is. There's a part, it, the, the, it, there's a part kind of in the middle slash the beginning that has kind of changed a few times, like how I think about how I present it. But what happens has never changed. What happens has basically been the same the entire time. Like, 50s never changed. There's little bits and pieces. The, the last whole arc is called Epilogues. Each yeah. issue is a standalone, right? So it's like, each issue is like, you know, uh, me wrapping up something. And the only thing that changed in those was um, there's a character in Birthright named Boomer who's, who's a, a military guy who was created later because I needed someone to basically be a voice for the government, but was also kind of a villain. And then I really liked writing him and eventually became like a major part of the supporting cast. And so the biggest change is him, like his involvement, his perspective on stuff. The issue that came out, I think it came out this week is all from his perspective that was never planned. Mm-hmm. Him being a werewolf, all that stuff, that all was not, that all came organically as we were writing it. Like, I remember writing the issue where he was going to go up against the monsters and Andre, who loves werewolves, it's like his favorite thing in the world are werewolves. <laughs> he was always asking me for werewolves and I was like, not only will I give you werewolves, I will give you like a bunch of werewolves. Like, we'll have this issue with monsters, we'll have an issue where werewolves invade the camp and they bite Boomer and then later on Boomer will become a vampire and, or, uh, I'm sorry, a werewolf and we will use that as part of the story. Like, all of that came about because of Andre's love of werewolves and me just really liking this character and liking writing him. So that was probably the biggest change in terms of like the original plan. There's all kinds of little things, like little tiny stuff, but issue 50, the final issue, has never changed. Um, there's a part where Mikey kind of reflects on the things in his life in that current moment and and it's like a two-page sequence of just cuts the different parts of 
uh, his story or the different people that have he's met along the way kind of thing. So that part's changed because it's reflecting of all the different stuff that happened, of all these characters. But yeah, like the, the whole thing. Oh, actually, there's a major thing that changed in the ending that came about. I don't know if it was because of me growing as a creator, growing as a person, but I realized something that was wrong with the very end, the whole last sequence. And I was like, I need to change that. It was like one, it's hard to explain without giving it away, but it was something that I realized I was doing wrong. I was leaving something out that needed to be there. And I was like, I'm going to change that part. So that changed, but not, not really. I don't know. It's, I mean, this is, that's the longest creator owned series. Right? I'm, I feel like I've been living with that book for a long time and reading it monthly as it's been coming out. So like, that's a, that's a, as major an achievement as the flash, uh, in its way. Yeah. Oh, a creator owned book goes 50 issues. I was talking about this I mean, with my wife. I, I can be very hard on myself at times and I can go back and forth between being unsatisfied as a creator and then, and then reflecting on, you know, cause I have moments of like being really hard on myself of like what I'm doing, where I'm at or whatever. And then sometimes thinking a lot about what I want to do and, and, you know, pushing myself to do the kind of work that I want to do and, and, and having moments of like, Oh, this isn't working. I got to push harder. And then having moments of like, yeah, but I have 50 issues of this book. I never thought I would get this. And that's an accomplishment. And my wife was like laughing at me and she's like, this is so weird. Like in the same breath, you're just like, oh, I'm happy with this thing. I need to do better, blah, blah, blah. And the next breath, you're like, hey, I did okay. Like, this thing is an accomplishment. Well, uh, the other, I mean, the other thing is I think that if, if you look at, uh, I don't know, when did that book start? Like, when did you? Started in 2014. Okay, so, so it's 14. Yeah. That's sort of the tail end middle of that last big image boom that happened. And yeah, I, and yeah. that was like the tail end, yeah. So many of those books from that era didn't finish. You know, they yeah. disappeared, and I, I think that, you know, you've got you've got Skybound, so you have, a, you know, somewhat of a structure behind it, but you don't finish that kind of book unless you are into it. Like, there's, it just doesn't happen. I mean, even people who love their books, they, they couldn't find the way, but, you know, it kept coming. There's There was breaks and things like that, but... Yeah. That's all because of me, mostly, and then, uh, mostly because of me, and then a little bit of, a little bit of Andre, but mostly which because is, of... Which is fair. I mean, I, I think that as a creator, I don't think, but, you know... So many of those those books from that era just did just stopped, you know, for one reason yeah. or another, and and that's always such a bummer. Um, and I, you know, you you know, and obviously, like people, oh, like there are reasons. Uh, it's yeah. not it's not like it's not like the the thing where the guys like oh, I just started playing video games too much and didn't finish it. It's not that, but you finished uh, it. No, I know, but I I know, but that's not what's that's you know, I know well, that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think about I was thinking about this today. I was like, you know, I I remember early on and it's still something I hear when people give advice and people trying to break in and, and I would give this advice too. One of the pieces of advice I was here was like, never picture like 50 issue epic fantasy story. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think I've given that advice. Yeah. yeah it was somehow I made it. Like I, I remember when I pitched it, um, I was, I think I had written ghosted number five and maybe maybe i think no i had written five i had written five and i was talking to different publishers about creator owned stuff this is in 2013 i was like we were gearing up to announce ghosted ghosted was going to get announced i think it um 
Well, no, Ghost had, Ghost had already been announced. Ghost had been announced, or was, like, right about to be announced, I think. And I went to WonderCon, and I was walking around the convention room floor with Sean Makowitz, um, who's, I think his title's editor-in-chief. He might be executive editor. Um, like, vice president, executive editor of Skybound. Um, at the time, he was just editor. And he and I were just walking around, just, like, shooting the shit at WonderCon, walking the floor, and we walked by one of those, like, big... You know, like Midtown, I think, will have those booths with just like a bunch of books. And we were talking about Nailbiter. And we had had this whole thing about Nailbiter and a couple other creator owned things I was talking about. And then I was like, oh, there's this book I want to do. It's a fantasy thing. And he's like, what is it? And I'm like, oh, well, and I wasn't in that zone to pitch. But I was just like, well, here's what it is. So it was a different kind of pitch because I wasn't pitching. You know, you get in front of a presentation, you have to do your pitch, your little, your little like pitch version of yourself you know mm-hmm. where you're on you do the whole thing your show uh, like the fast one-liners and stuff like that I, I uh the high concept pitch i didn't have that i was just like oh it's this thing and i kind of explained what it was and, and the twist and all the stuff i was thinking about and he was like oh that sounds cool and i was like yeah, yeah he's like you should like pitch it to, pitch that to us sometime and i was like yeah i have one pager I'll, I'll send to you and i did and then i remember i was taking a nap <laughs> i was in the middle of a nap and i got a phone call and uh, it was Sean. He was like, we really love it. We want to do it. Here's the offer. I remember like very like quickly scrambling and writing the offer down and then being like, okay, I like this. I like this. I like this. And then, um, I actually flew down there and spent some time. I went to DC for a day. Yeah. I went to DC for a day. I think that's right. And then I went and I was just cause I knew people there. I wasn't really working. I wasn't working on anything at DC at the time. I just knew people that worked there. And then I went to Skybound for two days, and we just talked it all out, and um, I was able to do it. And I remember thinking, like, this is crazy. I don't, like, do you really think we're going to do a book that's, like, 50 issues long? <laughs> and, uh, and they were like, yeah, we think we can, we can make this work. And they made it work. I mean, it's, awesome. it's the same creative team the whole way through. It's the same, yeah. you know, artist, colorist, letter. Like, everything is exactly the same all the way through. And Sean has edited it the whole time. Um, that's that's the goal. I mean, let's see if you grew up, uh, you know, reading those Vertigo comics in the '90s, like those sort of '50s, oh, yeah, '60s issue. Like that's, that's the thing. Uh, yeah, to be able to do a book where you have to tell this big beginning, middle, and end. And um, I remember always looking because I worked at a comic book store through high school and college and stuff. And so you start seeing these books that always have ten trades, right? Like mm-hmm. Vertigo seemed like you know I, I actually don't know how many trades. Creature has, but it has, you know, has the, it is 10? Yep. Okay. No, no, it's nine. It's nine. It's nine because they have the five really nice hardcovers. I have those in my office. Um, but it's like all these books have these longer runs, right? Like you were talking about. And uh, I ne- that was never something I set out to do necessarily. I thought it was always cool and I, I thought that was a good goal to have in terms of like the big picture of like the economics of comics and sort of what you're looking to do and. Um, also this like, sounds silly but when you talk to libraries and talk to book uh, buyers for bookstores and stuff and they like stuff like that yeah. uh, and so having that be kind of like that was never necessarily my goal but to have that now with Birthright it's it's crazy like I, I love that book I mean it's probably the most it's it's the hardest book I write because it's the most uh, detailed continuity mythology and it's also the most personal to me. Um, that reads. Yeah. I mean, I think when you get that last issue, it's really all about me. <laughs> like <laughs> in a lot of ways, Mikey is kind of speaking my thoughts on a lot of things about my life. Um, 
and how different uh, things are now versus when the book started and where I was when I initially had the idea for the book. But I had the idea for the book in 2007. So it's been definitely a long journey for that book and what it is now versus what it was then. Like it's definitely gone through a lot of changes and like, but at the same time, as have you. Yeah. As have I, and that's what really what a lot of, I mean, the book is, is about how your life can change. I mean, that's, it's about family and fantasy, but at the end of the day, it's about how your life can, can change on you and how sometimes you have to pivot and sometimes life doesn't work out the way you thought it was going to, but that isn't necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And how you have these. So I think sometimes we have three different kinds of memories. You have past, present, but you also have future because you start to envision what you think your future is going to be. And sometimes you think about it enough that those, those memories become kind of in, imprinted on you, right? You have this vision of what you think your future is going to be and you become attached to that. And sometimes when it changes, it's hard to let go of that memory. It's hard to let go of that vision of what you thought your life was going to be like or who you're going to spend it with or what you're going to do with it and the friendships, the loves, all of it. You have this idea of what you think your life is going to be and, and it's hard to let that go and to start going a different path. And that's what it is. It's like Mikey as a kid, his family and, and knowing that, you know, they had this idea what their life was going to be like. And then Mikey was taken and that changed, that changed it. And then now they have a vision of what they think their life was going to be. And it's this tragic thing. And then Mike comes back, like Mikey comes back and now it's something completely different. But so was Mikey. Like Mikey was dealing with that as a kid too. Of like, and he's a little kid, but it's like, he had his own goals and things he wanted to do with his life. And then all got taken away. But even when he was in Terranos, he had moments of this is my life forever. I'm never going to see my parents again. I'm never going to see my family again. This is my life forever. And my life is forever war in a fantasy world where I'm going to forever be trying to defeat this guy, defeat lore. And then it changed on him again. And it's like, that's sort of what the book is about is about all those ideas. And, and Mikey kind of reflects on all those things. In the last issue. It's funny. That's my, if, if somebody asks my, my one parenting advice, which parenting advice is awful and you should almost never accept it from anybody because nobody nobody has any clue but the one thing my my mental health of it is is like have very few expectations about what you think is going to happen or what you want to happen because you have no and it's just the way that you know you sort of described that it made me think of that thing and it's just like you know those expectations kill you (laughs) <laughs> because yeah but that's to go bring, bring all the way back to the beginning of this conversation and then we can we can wrap it up i know is, I, I was like this is this is i know a storyteller i was like well, i think we found a spot uh so when you go back to uh what i was telling you about 2010 and yeah. what i thought my life was going to be in 2010 where i was in my life in 2010 i had all of these expectations and i had this envisioned what i thought my life was going to be this is where birthright came into play it was because in 2010 i had this kind of uh i mean i knew so basically i know the book was 2007 but then 2010 2011 um really 2011 my life went through a lot of changes at once and uh because i went through a divorce and all these things i moved like all this stuff kind of came up at the same time and so i had this idea i thought my life was going to be and then it changed and then I finally started working at DC and then that didn't really work out the first time around. Like when I was doing stuff for them between the years of 2010, 2012, a lot of people don't know that. Like I was, or they forget that, I guess that I was doing work for DC at that time. And 
uh, it just didn't work out. And it was such a weird feeling to be like, I love DC comics and, and it's a company I like and I like the characters and to have my foot in the door and then to not have my foot in the door was such a weird feeling to be like, Oh, was that it? Like that was my moment to work there. And now I'm not working there. And all of that stuff, uh, was such a weird thing of just like thinking about, Oh, this is where my life's going to be. This is where my life's going to go and, and what I'm going to do. And then having the rug taken out from underneath me, a lot of that went into my feelings on birthright and writing those characters and what they were going through. And, that's why now I'm here now. I'm like, God, this is so weird. It's like, that's why it is like so much of my my, my experiences mm-hmm. are reflected through Mikey because it's like, you know, Mikey has, you know, Raya, his wife and the family and, and the things that are going on there. And then, you know, spoilers, it's happy ending, but it's like <laughs> the stuff that's going to happen there. And it's like, not to say that I, I should automatically call my life a happy ending because it's far from over, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy now. And it's like all the stuff that's here. And I, I, you know, I get to work at DC comics and I get to make these books. I get to make these creator own books. I got to do a 50 issues of birthright. Uh, so my wife and kids are terrific, you know? So it's like, it is such a, 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 a interesting thing when I sit down and start to get into it. Well, yeah, <laughs> it was like yeah. I think you said it. I think you said it. I was like I have nothing to add. There will be help that will be helpful to this. But what's interesting is that you know I've known you for a long time now, and I'm not surprised at any of that. I think is is what I'm getting. I, I mean, you 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 approach comics with a purpose, with a serious you know like this is I'm going to make this into my career, and and you know we both know that takes a really long time, and you're going to have those setbacks, you know, and, and when you think Jesus, I'm out at DC, what what happens now? you know, to have the wherewithal to, you know, be able to keep moving and then have it come back around. I think it's, it's, it's a lesson, but it's a lesson that we can deal with, but it's it's almost like the lesson is not, Hey, you got to stick with it, but like you have to be able to stick with it, which is a different thing. We all have to be able to pivot. Yeah. 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 You gotta go pivot and move and be able to be smart about it and and try to figure out what it is you're doing. I mean, I I was thinking about this earlier today. This is more of a breaking in conversation, but I was thinking about how often I see this for people breaking in or people who have brought who broken or struggling. And it's like, sometimes I just think like just being there is enough. Yeah. And it's like, you know, just showing up and saying, look, I made a comic book, hire me (laughs) isn't enough. I know people that's like a thing people say sometimes, but it's like, it's so much more complicated than that. And that is something I had to learn. I had to learn that. Like I, I, I thought that for a while, there was an editor um, at Marvel who kind of, I remember being like, you know me, you know, the work I can do. You should hire me. Like, look, I can make comics. And you, and, and he was like, yeah, and there's a lot of people that can do that. <laughs> like, well, what else can you bring to the table? And I remember that like blew my mind. Like, I know what I'm, the way I'm explaining it to you now sounds very like small, but it was a much I, more I, conversation i under, no, i totally understand that and i think that 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 kind of thing is the thing that changes your perspective on everything it's really easy to ha- for that to happen really quick you know like i work uh i've worked in self-publishing for a long time not i'm, I'm not the self-published but I, I work with them and you know i know lots of people who make comics and there's a part of me that that you know i wanted to make comics for a while and i thought uh, you know what i don't know that that's my aptitude um and it's not the making comics part it's not the writing part it's it's the other bits um which is fine oh. I'm, i've totally at peace with that but the hard part is not making the book and that part is really hard (laughs) like it's 
uh, the hard part is like everything that comes after that and what you do. And I don't think people are prepared for that because I almost think you can't know. Yeah, you have to. It, it's it's very strange. Yeah. I wish it was that easy. I mean, I, I learned this for a while where I'm like, half my day is working on comics, and the other half my day is the business of comics. Yeah, like easily. I mean, it's it's. I, I probably write like maybe maybe six hours a day, right? Of actual like sitting on writing, but then I'm on the phone a lot, and I'm doing other stuff like it's a lot of stuff and like you and i were talking about before we started recording like going to conventions like it's, it's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of stuff you got to do that it's more than just sitting down and just start typing you know just it's it's so much more than that and yeah no man it's 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 it is crazy but you know i kept you too late already yeah well listen i'm really <laughs> glad that you reached out i'm glad we got a chance to talk again yeah it's been so long i mean it was funny i was trying to figure this out when did we when did we meet do you want to hear that one uh, I mean, it had to be. It's, I feel like when was your first? When was when when was your first DC book? I want to. I feel like it was it a Robin book. No. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So when I had that come out, it was the Robin Supergirl issue of right. Batman Superman or Superman Batman. That was 2010 when that okay, came out. It was out. definitely before that. It was before that, and yeah. Because so, you had done the Oni books, the kids' books, the vampire, the... Okay, so I had done the image, like the kids' books. Yes. I had done them by the time I met you. Okay, so the, it, it was probably like 2008, 2009. That's probably it. That's when I started doing shows like really... Well, you were at San Diego. Yeah, I ran, I walked up to you at San Diego. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At PC Booth. Yes. The, the best, that so was the crazy. best place in the world back then. I know. Dude, I miss that booth. I miss it. That the booth carpet. was... But it's changed so much. Oh, the carpet, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy to think about how much that DC booth has changed over the last, like, oh, yeah. you know, I've been going since I was a kid, so it's changed a lot. But anyway, it was good. I'm glad we had to talk about stuff. It wasn't just me just hyping books for an hour. <laughs> all right, me too. And that's all for another episode of Talksplode. Thanks to Josh for coming on the show and spending time and talking to me. And uh, thanks to the uh, iFanboy patrons who unlocked the Talksplode shows and the Booksplode shows and the Mediasplode shows. You can see that splode pattern that's going on there. You can go over to iFanboy.com and, and find all that stuff that's there. Uh, you can follow Josh Williamson at uh, Williamson underscore Josh uh, on Twitter. And uh, that is all. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye.